Yes, it is Wednesday, January 25. You are listening to the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio. A very good morning to you if you are just tuning in. And last night we saw Sefanov Zitsipas, the third seed, go through to the semifinals at Melbourne Park. He beat Yuri Lehetska in straight sets earlier in the uh, day. Karen Kachanov, the 18th seed, he beat the 29th seed, Sebastian Corder. Uh, he was up two sets to love and three love in the third, but Corder uh, retired hurt with a wrist injury. Yesterday, uh, the Aussie girls in the cricket, well, they beat Pakistan convincingly by eight wickets with 38 balls remaining in their first 2020 international. Megan Schutt took five for 15 from her four overs. And the NRL yesterday released a statement confirming the preseason challenge. So 18 clubs will be involved, obviously the 17 NRL clubs, plus St. Helens, who are coming over for the World Club Challenge, uh, which takes place February 18, against the Panthers, of course, the Premiers. But $100,000 up for grabs in this pre-season challenge under a point system over the two weeks. So each team playing two games in this challenge. 12 points for the win, six for a draw, and there's bonus points available for scoring five or more tries for making five or more line breaks or having 10 or more offloads. So the most points a team can accumulate in one match is 15 points. Now, the squads will be capped at 28 in week one and 26 in week two. So they can very much go above and beyond as far as rotating players and making sure a lot of players get a run. But this all starts uh, February 9. Uh, when the Warriors hosts the West Tigers at Mount Smart Stadium in Auckland. Are you going, Clarky? I'm not going. No, unfortunately. I'll be... <laughs> I don't even know where I'll be. <laughs> but no, I'm not Just going. on hold at the moment. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I won't be there. I'm sorry, Rino. What about yourself? Nah, I won't be going. Don't, I'll, I'll watch. Yeah. TV? Yeah, KO, Fox yeah. League. Yeah. Lawson, what do you make of it, though? Put, oh. Making something up for grabs in the preseason. Oh, look, I think any time we bring innovation to the game, you know, is good, uh, especially in these trial matches where a lot of coaches are just looking for their players to get some match fitness and go through the structures that they've implemented in the off season. Um, and I suppose if it's going to be played with a bit more uh, intensity and a bit more competitive, it'll be more interesting for the fans to watch. But I don't think anyone's going out there to win that prize money. They're just going out yeah. there to get match fit, to go through their skills and get their tackle technique right, go through the structure and attack, and hopefully they come through injury-free and just get them into round one and ready to go for the start of the season. But again, you know, if some teams want to take it that seriously, that they need the $100,000, go for it. But I, t- I tell you what, most clubs will be just hoping and praying that their players get through the trial matches. Yeah. It's a necessary evil, and they get them there at the starting blocks in round one. Big year in golf with, of course, the war going on on the sidelines. But we've got two great tournaments this weekend, the Dubai Desert Classic and the Farmers Insurance Open over there in Torrey Pines in California. Uh, just reading this morning as well that Patrick Reed has, uh, according to the Irish Independent, flicked a tee towards Rory McIlroy. Of course, Reed, a bit of a villain himself, former Masters champ, uh, went to the Live Tour, and they're all competing there in Dubai. Hello, Gowie. Yeah, morning, fellas. Welcome back. Happy New Year, Gowie. Hmm. Yeah, you too. Can't wait. The footy's only 40 days away. How good is that? I know, I know. Can your eels have another good season? 
Oh, yeah. I hope so. That was good fun. Oh, hang on. Hang on. You sound flat. You sound that positive at all, Gowie. Oh, okay. Yes, they'll win. (laughs) That's better. We don't want to have any bullshit in here. (laughs) (laughs) Are you keeping your number seven? Uh, Yeah, we kept the number seven. I played with him over Christmas, so I got got into his grill house. Okay. He's happy to stay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. He didn't give anything away, to be honest. Uh, and I didn't ask. Uh, that I wanted to ask, but no, yeah. hey, you know, I, as an athlete, you sort of take your best option. I'd love for him to stay and all that. Yeah, all the Parramatta fans would. So um, he, I think he got better the last couple of years, like his, his temperament on the field and his kicking and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, as an athlete, you just grow, don't you? Hopefully you grow. If you don't, well, then you're packing shells for a living. Yeah. Gary, what's this... Oh. I don't know if it's a tour, this thing that Adam Scott's joined to be run by Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. All right, this is uh, this is interesting. It's called the TGL. Um, and what it is, is it's a bit of a love job for McIlroy and Tiger, who have gone as the spokespeople for the PGA Tour. So it starts on a Monday night. It's in this big arena that's got these big uh, simulator screens. I mean, huge screens. And they play matches against each other in a dome type of atmosphere or inside and you know they're all mic'd up and it's all about entertainment and and the new age and i think people can interact from home um doing that sort of stuff so it's high tech it's high it'll be massive it'll be massive yeah i reckon i reckon it'll be like esports that's what they're looking at is is the same sort of thing and i can't wait well i've seen a look a little snippet of it but um when it goes into play, um, it, it'll be good to see. So they've taken on Colin Morikawa and Adam Scott. So obviously Adam Scott is the veteran of, um, and Tiger's the veteran of the, the events. But, uh, you know, they're trying to, with the PGA Tour, work into the P, uh, like players' schedules. So working on a Monday night. So Monday is normally a travelling day. And it's a bit of a down day. Um, and I think they'll sort of rotate different players here and there to, to play in them. So it'll be interesting to see. It's, it, it golf needs new ideas. It's not just old men with pulled up socks with the shirt tucked in. Um, you, you really need to bring some new people and new young people into the game, which COVID did, by the way. It brought younger people in. That's why golf clubs are flourishing at the moment. Their memberships are full and all that sort of stuff. And I, I hope it stays that way and that uh, we get more kids and women and, and people who have never been introduced to the game. A bit like you, Clark, you never really got introduced to the game and that's in laws so you don't really like it that much, but believe it or not, it's a bit of fun. Mm. Well, speaking of that, buddy, where's the, what's the latest with the Live Tour? We're hearing Greg Norman. There's talk Greg Norman was going to be sacked. His role's increased. Yeah, it has. It's, it's interesting where it's gone. Um, they've announced their 14 event schedule, which is, uh, which is great. We've got one here in um, in South Australia. Yeah, Norman has increased, so um, I'm guessing there's people that are walking away. Um, but I've got to say, Norman over the last couple of months has done a great job. He's actually been very quiet, and and now they've got their plan ready. I don't think 12 months ago or six months ago they had their plan sorted, but now after eight events, it seems like they've really got their ducks in a row and they're, they're moving forward. So We'll wait and see. It's an interesting one. In the last couple of days, Keith Pelling, the head of the DP World Tour, and Moynihan, Jay Moynihan of the PGA Tour, have stepped aside from the World Rankings Committee. So it won't be made up to them whether this tour, the Live Tour, get World Ranking points. And um, we'll see where that goes, because the rest of the world then, who are administrators, Australia included, 
uh, a part of that committee to, to pass the, the rules or not. But it's pretty simple. They can play one more round and then they're, they're qualified. As for events this weekend, so we've got an event in Victoria to be hosted by Jeff Ogilvy. Yeah, this is an interesting. This is the start. It's an interesting event. It's the start of the Australian Tour for. Well, it's still the tour running over the year, but it's the start of, of 2023. And the TPS event, we've got one in Sydney with Brace and Asna, who is his, um, he is the host of that. But Jeff Ogilvy is the host of this, and you know it, it sort of goes unsaid when players. Athletes go away from their game and they stay involved in it and what they do for it. Jeff Ogilvy has in Melbourne has been doing matches down there for young kids, young boys and girls who who want to play. Who just don't want to stand on the range and hit balls. They want to they want to get amongst older players and learn the game a bit more. And he's taken it to another level here. He's taken it to a, an event at Rosebud and there's some cracking names that are playing. Carrie Webb's teeing it up. Um, Chingley won that cathedral event last year, so she's obviously got. You have the bug back about playing, but um, Steph Kiriak is playing. Uh, you know, if we're betting on it, I didn't see any prices on tab last night, but Maverick Ancliffe, who plays on the European Tour, he's playing. Uh, I like him this week. He's, uh, I reckon he's in for a big year. He's, uh, he works with Grant Field, which is Craig, uh, which is Cameron Smith's coach, and they're doing some good things. So he's... Um, I think he's going to have a good week down this week. But it'll be all on Fox Sports, so you can watch the, the final two rounds on there. And This is the time of the year you find a young player that you that stands out a little bit and then you follow their career. So um, make sure you tune into that. All right, what have we got? The Dubai Desert Classic this week. We have big, uh, big news out of there that uh, McElroy brushed uh, Patrick <laughs> Reed, which is... Which is not unusual. If he wasn't part of the live tour, he'd still brush him because the guy's a dickhead. So <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> So it's not it's it's not unusual that you know that someone would brush Patrick Reed. He's a cheat. Uh, he, he he just throws hand grenades at everybody. Uh, it's never his fault. Uh, it's always everybody else's fault. And McElroy is you know the elder statesman now. He's just sitting there hitting balls, not lifting his head. Um, and you know Mac, um, Reed was upset with that and threw a tea at him. So I find it quite amusing. Handbags at 20 paces on the on the DP World Tour. So uh, it'll, be a, it'll be it's an interesting one because they've still got to go to, to court. The DP World guys, uh, the tour against um, the lead players. So uh, we'll wait and see where that pans out. But I would imagine that they will be banned and they can't play at some stage if the, if the court sort of gets it right. But that's what we're all missing, that the lead tour is just another tour. So... You've got to make a choice where you want to play. Uh, yeah, big week, massive field here, some really good players. Uh, I'm looking at, I know it's a bit reversed here, but um, I, I like Nicolo Hogarth. That's one of the twin brothers who are ridiculous good players. I think Tad's got it wrong. They've got him at 51 bucks. He came off a really good week last week uh, after after a spell. So I, I, I really like him. And then Terrell Hatton at $12. You know, they've probably priced him right. He had a good week last week. You know, he's going to win it sometime through the year. He wins once or twice a year. But Hodgard, um, these guys are just ridiculously good. So hopefully they have a good week. A bit like if you watched last week, Minwoo Lee, um, Gallant Effin on the weekend, and uh, Ren Second. So he's uh, he's got off to a cracking start. 
Okay, so Gowie's tips in the Dubai Desert Classic. He likes Terrell Hatton at $12 with tab and Nikolai Hogard, $51 with tab. Uh, the Farmers Insurance Open there at Torrey Pines on the PGA Tour Gowie. Uh, what, Tiger won this, what, seven times, was it? And Jason Day's won it a couple of times as well. Yeah, Jason Day's played um, well, very well here. And he's coming off a, a, um, a top 20 last week and looked good. Uh, he's changed all his golf gear up. His swing looks a little bit different too, so... Uh, I'll be interested to see what he's done on the in the off year, off season on his game because it looks like he's just mixed up his clubs and you know I think he's changed his ball and a few other things. So there's nothing like a change. Um, John Ram after a good week, he's playing again. He's won here before uh, last year. He's tied third. Uh, good feel again. They're all sort of starting to come back and getting ready for the Masters. I know it's in April, but you've got to get your body ready and your mind ready for that. Two golf courses, north and south. At, uh, at Torrey Pines here. I like Justin Thomas. He's only at $15, but the guy's just a superstar. And, and uh, I know I tip him a lot on this show, but he's just, he's there every time. He doesn't he doesn't miss a beat. And a guy called Taylor Montgomery at $29 uh, for my roughie this week. Uh, you'll hear more about this kid. He's come off the, the Corn Ferry Tour and just, you know, just getting better and better every year uh, when he plays. So, um, you wouldn't have heard much of him. But we've got five Aussies in there this week. Um, young Harrison Endicott got off to a good start. You know, uh, This year, he's uh, tied 22nd last week. So the Aussies, uh, there's only five, but uh, we'll get a good showing. Don't laugh at me with this question, please, Gowie. You know <laughs> I'm already how, in. You, yeah, I know. You know how I'm very unique. Yeah. And I've w- always wanted to ask this question. Let us decide how you mentioned you mentioned balls there before. If you're a yep. pro, which you were... How long does a ball last? As in, do you play with the same balls for a month? Do you only use it for one tournament? What are, what do they do, pros? Well, well, that is not a silly question at all. I thought it was going to be a lot worse than oh, that. Um, no, you, you, as a pro, the balls go out of shape. So, and the balls have got better over the years, and you don't have to change them as much. But golf pros in general will. There are about six to eight balls around some guys, like a Charles Howe, which was just outrageous. He'd use a new ball every hole. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, which was... Imagine being the caddy and had to carry you know, all those balls in the bag. It'd just be heavy. But you, the balls go out of shape, and they you know, they spin off the club face, and they, they cut into the um, the grooves on the, on the face. That, so they'll take a bit of the paint off there, so the aerodynamics of the ball will be a bit different. You might hit a tree, or you might hit... You know, a cart part, so you need to change your ball. So, yeah. not a silly question at all. It's actually, actually, we've got a new show starting, or well, the golf show starting in April. I think that's a really good question for that show. Oh, there you go. Just quote me then, Gowie, can you? <laughs> I will, because you are such a, a golf nuffy. You, uh, you play so much. <laughs> He's gone from having a, a preamble of this might be a stupid question to give me credit for it. You're the best. Like, you are unreal. Gowie, uh, great to chat to you, mate. Thanks, fellas. Have a good Australia day. 13.53.53 is the number. John, morning. Oh, g'day, fellas. Happy New Year. You too, mate. Same to you, mate. Yeah. Uh, interesting listening listen to you talking about social media and uh, podcasts earlier, Laurie. That should come with a caveat, mate. Assumption is the mother of all stuff-ups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a fair call. Mate, I... Laurie, I wanted to talk to you about looking at a report this morning that Canterbury are after now after Spencer Lenow from uh, Penrith. Yep. Mate, 
do you honestly think the salary cap is working when it allows a successful club who produces its own juniors to be ravished by another club who can't? I, I, don't, I don't see how the cap is working in, in a proper direction uh, to, to create a level playing field. I mean, even looking at the coming season, there's probably, off the, to- off the top of my head, two clubs that are going to seriously emerge through the pack. One, one did last year in the Cowboys yeah. and Canterbury that are going to seriously come into the pack and challenge the top teams. I see improvement maybe from the lower side, some improvement, but I just don't feel the cap's working properly, mate. I just like your opinion on it. Yeah, well, when you look at um, you know teams' uh, lineups and, and you look at their, the amount of money every team is spending, you go, well, how can it be equal? How, how does the salary cap work? Because this roster to me doesn't look like 12 million, whereas this roster looks probably 14 million. Um, so, so I can understand why we, we think like that, because you in your own mind rate certain players at a certain value. Um, I think with the salary cap, and I've always been big on this, that there should be dispensation for um, juniors coming through your system. And I think we see in the NRL you've got clubs that recruit and you see clubs that develop. I'd like to see clubs that develop get rewarded more. Um, But again, it comes down to your football operation. It comes down to your footy manager and your coach to identify talent. Um, And don't get in a situation where you're paying overs for players that you know or you, you know, for me, people get desperate. Oh, yeah. And when they get desperate, they tend to pay a lot more money for players and it comes back to bite them on the bum. You've got to be really steadfast in your decision-making. You've got to identify players. You've got to have a certain value on them. And there's got to be some flexibility there, of course. We all know that. But you've got to be strong in how you evaluate evaluate your, your player and what your team needs and your weaknesses and be able to grab or sign players that you need for your organisation. And you've got to be able to do it, and you've got to be able to do it smartly where you're not paying overs for them. You're paying either true market value or if you can get them for unders under your market value, then you've done exceptionally well. But when you're putting together a team and when you're talking salary cap, I can understand where people go, oh, this club's spending that much money and this club... You know how, how come there, there's a discrepancy there, but it's a well, it comes down to your footy program, it comes down to your management, it comes down to your your, your, your ability to cr- recruit players, and it also comes down down to how you spend your money. You got to be spending it wisely. You just can't be willy nilly and thinking, well, we're going to go and throw bucket loads at this player when his value in your own mind is probably worth six hundred yet you're prepared to go and spend 800 or 900 just to say you've got a player. I, 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 sometimes I, I shake my head at that. Uh, last night over in India, uh, the Indians beat New Zealand by 90 runs in the third one-day international. So India posted nine for 385. And in response, New Zealand rolled for 295. So an extremely high-scoring match. And the opening stand uh, for India was 212 between Rohit Sharma who's the captain of the one-day side, and Shubman Gill. 
Uh, both made centuries. And uh, in response, 138 for Devon Conway for New Zealand. But, uh, yeah, they've succumbed over there. So the Indian one-day side in pretty good form, of Three course. Three zip, wasn't it, middle? I think India beat them. Uh, yes, correct. 3-0. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so uh, well done, New Zealand. Just playing them into some form. And well, the Australia series coming up, of course. Yeah. I know Test Series v one-days, yeah. but... Um, We'll have a chat about that squad too at some stage, Clarky. which we picked 18 mm. to go to India. Four spinners. Yeah, interesting. Um, and amongst them is the uncapped Todd Murphy. I think they have – sorry to interrupt. I think they have a – I don't know how what they call it, but it's like a development or a youngster um, selection. They have one player that they can take as a bit of a development um, for them. So I'm assuming – that could be the case. And obviously the potential to, if something was to happen, but I can't see Australia ever playing four spinners, put it that way. I think there'll be certainly a choice of... Do you have to play um, two spinners? You don't have to, but, mate, it's very hard not to in those conditions. I, I, I think it, it was a little bit different when we had Warney, mm. but I think without a Shane Warne, I think you probably... See, I think... Um, Nathan Lyon and Ashton Agar in those conditions are a good combination. I think they're they're very accurate. So if if Australia gets to a position in the game where they're worried about runs, they can still bowl, you know, stump the stump. I think Ashton Agar bowls a little bit like um, who's the left arm spinner from India? Uh, Jadeja. Jadeja, yeah. Fast into the wicket, straight at the stumps. Now in Australia hard to bowl like that and have success. You've got to do a bit more in the air, use a bit of drift, get a bit off the pitch. In India, you don't need to because you get natural variation off the pitch. So you don't need to worry too much about what the ball does in the air or not as much. And Jadeja is very accurate, very fast and does that. I think Ashton Agar could play that role for Australia. Nathan Lyon plays the Ravi Ashwin role for Australia as well. So I think in Indian conditions, assuming the wickets are what they're normally like, those two are a very good combination. Um, but, yeah, it's, not, well, it's I think it's good anyway. The more spinners you can take over there to be bowling in the nets every day for the batters to be facing, to be learning about those conditions, uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's a good amount of people. 18's a lot, but I, I, I'd rather guys get over there. You're there for – it'll be about six weeks, I think, the tour is from start to finish. Uh, you've got a good break in the middle as well after the second test. So these youngsters that even aren't playing – Mate, they'll get so much experience and learn so much about Indian conditions. Roger, good morning to you, mate. How are you? Good, thanks, boys. How are you? Yeah, really well, thanks. And uh, just looking at the well, the futures market for the Australian Open singles uh, for the men's, and Novak's $1.37 now, and Stefano Zitsipas after his three-set victory last night over Yuri Lehechka, $4. So the market says he's pretty much the only one who can challenge Djokovic. But what is the gap realistically between those two? Uh, yeah, probably gaps are maybe a little little closer than that, really. So they've they've faced each other enough times, and and uh, passes, you know, he's he plays Novak with a bit of confidence as far as he knows. You know, he's he's comfortable on the court with him um, as far as you know, seeing what comes off the other end of the court. But uh, yeah, the, the gaps. You know, if you're talking about, you know, you get through to the men to a men's final, um, and you're there, and one's going for their tenth, and one's trying to get their first major. By the way, if Sitsipas does win 
uh, the Australian Open, he will be the number one player in the world as well. So there's a fair bit on the line, I think, if you're uh, if you're in the Tsitsipas camp. So going into that match, so it would look it would be a great story. There's no doubt about that, and obviously. Um, you know the Greek community here is pretty strong as well, and and so to the Serb community, so it would be a, it would be a rock and roll night. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, I, th- I still think there's uh, there's the, the gaps. You know, there's a, there's definitely a definite a, a, a wide enough gap. Yeah, Rog, how does uh, well, you know? That's the thing we've said in here that we think there's a, there's a gap between the way certainly Djokovic played the other night. How does he then? not win the Australian Open. Is this hamstring or this leg injury, is it an issue? Uh, is there a chance he could, you know, choke in, in some way under pressure? Like, he, it's just that he doesn't seem to have a weakness. Yeah, uh, you're right, Clark. He's a, it, I guess that's the only thing is we, we if you take him just at face value and you put him on, you know, without the... You, you look and you think, okay, how do you beat them? And then, obviously, the, the stuff that we don't... We, we can't plan for in, in sport, and that's why it's the greatest form of reality TV, I guess, um, because, you know, in the moment, who knows, it might be, you know, it, it, you just there might be a bit of extra tension in your body. You might not quite be quite finding it out of the middle of the racket, even though that doesn't happen often to know that, but yeah. still it does happen at a time. And, you know, or, or, or someone's playing that well and, and they've got big weapons like Tsitsipas, and he's virtually, for mine, the only one that can beat Okay. No, because of his weapons. So I think I think you know they're, they're the things that take place and the, the unknowns, I guess, throughout the course of a you know a highly tense uh, tennis match that, and also a sporting event. You just never know what happens in that moment. So yeah. Does, do, you, do you think Nick Kyrgios has enough weapons to like we again we're talking about Nick obviously major loss him not being in in, in a part of this but just in regards to him playing someone like Novak in a final in a round game I think we could say yep yeah, Novak if he's not 100% there concentrating wise you know Nick could beat him but do you think Nick has the right weapons or enough weapons to to, to have beaten someone like Novak in, in the Australian Open in a yeah. final? Uh, yeah, look, he's got the weapons. So you need you need a few things. You need to be able to buy some free points on your serve, yeah. uh, which Nick has, which Sitsabas has as well. So he's yeah. you know he he's got a big first serve. You need you need a you need ground stroke weapons where you can all of a sudden take the racket out of someone's hand where they don't really get a big play on it and they're they're on full defense. And okay. uh, Nick has that. No, um, Sitsabas has that. You've got to have some. You've got to have a lot of be able to have some variety in your game. Uh, again, Nick has that. Sitsipas has has that. So Nick has a little bit more uh, legitimate firepower off both sides, a forehand and backhand, and he's you know and he and he's prepared to play a lot of different types of shots and and get you a little bit uncomfortable. So uh, that, that's why I only lean to Sitsipas. Yes, obviously Nick would be there. Obviously the the number one thing in those big moments is is your mental capacity and and can you stay. You know how long can you stay in that space where you're just where you're rock solid, um, and you're prepared to sort of go with the little ebbs and flows, and um, you know I think that's the hardest part as well is dealing with the occasion, um, and obviously these guys, you know the beauty about these guys is they're the people that have been there that often, uh, like Novak and uh, like Rafa and uh, you know and Roger in the past is that they walk on the court and it's normal for them, you know it's it's very it's they'll still have the they'll still have the nerves but it's just very normal for them so. Yeah, so it's interesting. He plays Rublev tonight. Rublev's a quality player. They've played three times. Rublev beat him in Serbia last year, uh, six of them the third set. So uh, so there's a little bit of payback. But in reality, 
the other two times we've played, it's been a bit of a spanking. Um, Novak's given Rublev a bit of a spanking. And I, and I just think Rublev's same height, virtually the same weight. Um, he just he pounds the ball. It's, he throws in his, his self out of his shoes on every single shot. Serve, forehand, backhand. He's, he, but he's got the, but that's, that's, uh, and that's going to serve him well in some areas, but also uh, because he's going to have to make, he'll make Novak uh, move aggressively and have to do a lot of work, but um, he's only one pace. And there's not a lot of variety in the game, and, and if you are misfiring at any points, you, you know, it tends to get magnified. With, with Djokovic, uh, Rog, you speak about his his mental strength. Is that something that goes unnoticed? And he's not unnoticed in his game, but we don't give him enough sort of credit for because he he looks as though he's stronger upstairs than most other tennis players that's ever played. Uh, yeah, I, I would say you're right, and I'd say that was uh, he. He would sit as uh, he, himself and uh, Rafa are probably the two. Uh, you know, they're just they're animals in that area. There's no doubt about that, and uh, they're just I guess their ability to uh, stay the course mm. when when they're under a lot of duress and prepared to go through that period of duress where they'll accept uh, that they're not going to they're not they might not get a solution. I'll find a solution right there at that moment, but they'll accept it, and then and then they'll work their way through, um, and then and then come out finding a solution and, and staying strong. I, th- I think that's the that's their biggest, uh, you know, it's the biggest asset because you've got to play them, you know, they make you play every point, point in, point out. Uh, there's no, there's sort of no. You just see a lot of other players just fade, don't you? Once they lose it, it's like oh, they're gone. Yeah. Yet they've got the capability of having that bad sort of game, but then. Coming back, just all of a sudden, wiping it from their memory, and just here, yeah. here I am again. Now you well, got me at the best. Think, yeah, they've got their. That's true, Loz, and they've got, they've got their actual. They are able to push back, so they they all of a sudden push back. The amount of times you you might see them drop a set, and all of a sudden they come out and they'll break you, yeah. uh, break your service game. So they're not sitting in the in the past and feeling sorry for how what their form looks like or the person's played a a hot set, they actually just push you straight back. So I, I think you're right there, ability just to remove uh, what's just taken place um, and just stay the course. I think that's it's also courtesy of their, you know, they they, they realise, you know, someone like Novak realises he's got the field covered. You know, he, he's got the field covered in the locker room. And I, and I, and I think when you go out there, um, uh, that's a pretty big thing too. Uh, that's a pretty big thing to have on the side. In the women's, Rybakina is now into $2.35 and uh, pronounced favourite for the women's, uh, ahead of Anya Sabalenka, who's $3, Azarenka $5, Azarenka the two-time champ winning yesterday as well. Is the market right there? Because Sabalenka, you would think if she wins today, uh, would be back challenging Rybakina for favouritism? Uh, yeah, it's probably right. When, you, when you're the Wimbledon champion and you've been through, you know, and you've won it, You've won it uh, at Wimbledon. It's a it's a big thing uh, just to to win a major. You know, Azarenka was I was very good last night. It was very much old. Uh, you know, she wound back the clock, played extremely good, fast, aggressive tennis, and um, and so. But she didn't have the weapons on the other side of the court to to bother. So she was able to be involved in every single point, and she knew her opponent Pagula extremely well. So I think there was some comfort in that tennis match. Um, but you know, when you've got when you've got a former world number one and a major champion, someone who's won the Australian Open uh, up the other end, it'll, it'll be interesting with Rybakina to see where that goes. But I guess yes, she is slight favourite because uh, all the other uh, all the other women on the other 
other side of the draw that have to come through, they will they will have to come through and win their first major. And, and I guess that's the hardest thing to do. And for Zabalenka, uh, she's probably been the informed player, um, but uh, but I think uh, you know she's still got there's still a hurdle and there's also still a question mark with her serve under a bit of pressure. Thank you, Rog. Have a great day. See you, boys. Enjoy uh, enjoy your day, day off tomorrow. Um, the text line here. Morning, lads. Good to hear you back. Have a small share in a horse today, and it should run well at Dooman. Race two, Sir Carter. Uh, no names for that one, but good luck for Sir Carter and uh, your horse there today. To that listener, $9.50 with Tab and two forty to place. Your multi-back? Ah, you? will be. Are you back oh, in the game? Of course he's back. You're looking at me like you don't even know. Has it been You're zero back. prep? Well, I haven't done anything this week. Well, are you, I will. Would you go for Friday? <laughs> hey, or? Mate, the fields aren't well, it'll be yet. up to the people. You're going to be nowhere tomorrow. It'll be up to the people to decide whether they want me back or not. You're going to be no state for no. preparation tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming no, back. I'll be back. I'll be back. You're back, I love mate. It. Remember those okay. blokes, they came up to you. They didn't know you was a past footballer. They knew you was they a big sports breakfast tipster. They did, yeah. Professional gambler. Professional punter. <laughs> They wanted to know Let's what make I'm, some money. So when year. I'm on the track, they come up to me and go, Loza, what are you on? What are you yeah. backing? Yeah. I say number seven. Then <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell the next group, number nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we've got Eventually some, someone will come yeah, up someone and pat you on win. the back and say, mate, well done. You get ten people, for that tip. Six people that hate you, <laughs> one that loves you. We've got some exciting news through about your filly, Pretty Wild Clark. Yes, she's going to be back at the races on the 4th, fourth. so that's Saturday week. Yeah. Saturday week. Gallop well this morning, apparently. Mm. You beauty. Yeah, good news. Good news. Uh, was, uh, she, was, she had a bit of a niggle, but she's slowly getting there. So, yeah, nice. hopefully the 4th, she's a little better than she was in her last run. You know? Stuff. Yeah. Running out of televisions. Mm. She'll be all right, man. No, I saw her as well. Quite a bit. <laughs> Honestly. Well, I texted you straight away. Yeah. And I was like, what am I watching here? Yeah, What's man. happened? It's all right. You can't win them all, mate, you unless you win. Mate, it's hard. don't worry about winning. There was mm. nothing. That was the opposite to winning. Yeah, but they can get a cold. They well, can get something happens. She, I think she had COVID, poor thing. She's back now. <laughs> She's back. She's, She's ready back. to go. She's back. No, there's always something that can go the wrong. Fourth. I'll keep you posted. I'll, I'll, yep. get, I'll get a bit of the goss and see, uh, see what. Oh, Chrissy boy reckons, but yep. Positive signs after this morning, put it that way. Brad Davidson, morning to you. Yeah, morning, guys. Loz, um, you know, as being a professional gambler for a long time, you got any just any tips while we're on the air, mate, for a young form analyst coming through? Uh, <laughs> you like horses that have a gear change, for instance, a lot, don't you? Like, no, don't got take blinkers that in, on. no, I don't take that in consideration. <laughs> really? No, it's all about the eye for me. <laughs> I, trust, I trust my eye. What, right, what yeah. trials, no. gallops, oh, yeah, just previous runs, previous runs, just everything, all that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah okay, just eye. trials, no just clock. Eye. No, don't worry about the clock. Don't worry about <laughs> conditions. Just eye. There you go. Back that's, yourself. There you go, Davo. That's uh, you've been enlightened. But uh, the pretty ex- much, pretty much the exact opposite of what I do. But thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we got the expressway, of course, on Sunday. They extended the noms, and uh, well, we got plenty of more noms, didn't we? We did, yeah. We ended up with 18, from 4 to 18, and it'll be interesting to see how many do accept there. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we copped uh, 18 overall. Look, there's half of those are sort of lower benchmark horses that I think the connections have thrown in, thinking, well, there's good prize money up for grabs, and a lot of sort of, you know, mares and fillies down the bottom there that thought, well, we might be able to get a bit of black type here if, if, if they don't turn up. So it'll be interesting to see 
I think a few will be scared off, no doubt, by the by the number of nominations now. But we'll see what sort of field takes place there for the expressway. I'm just checking it out tomorrow, like normal. I just wondered uh, with Australia Day, of course, but uh, no, it's out today at uh, 9 a.m. There you go. So I got my days mixed up this week with Australia Day. So we'll we'll see how that acceptance does take place uh, in a couple of hours' time. Did you think Barbara would go down and run in the Blue Diamond? Uh, no, I didn't, to be honest. But um, look. Uh, He's tried well, hasn't he? He's, a, he's an interesting one, Loz. Um, I'm, you know, I, I think that that sort of golden gift form's probably B grade in terms of you know the whole big picture. So I suppose mm. if they're if they're looking at it, thinking, well, you know, he's a nice horse, but I'm not sure he's it's sort of the absolute A grade infatuation. Some are loving those types of horses. They're kind of you know run well in a Magic Millions, but without getting carried away and. Again, I don't think the Magic Millions is the A-grade form this year either. So, um, And beat coincide on debut, who was well beaten by Don Corleone and Kundalini there uh, on the weekend. So I think that the form line sort of suggests that um, you know, the Blue Diamond might be a, a better option. And, um, yeah, look, he's up nice and early, ready to, ready to rumble, isn't he? And uh, King's Gambit, looking forward to seeing him in the Canterbury this weekend. Yeah, look, he's taking no risks there, guys. Um, nice and short, I think it was about a dollar. 60 last time I checked there in the all-in market. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how he sets up there in the Canterbury. I'll have to take on the likes of Red Resistance, who was dominant on debut and really impressive performance himself. But, um, yeah, look, he's the number one seed at the moment on what he's done. He, he ran super time there at Caulfield on debut. The trial since was, was super. And, yeah, we'll get to see if he can, he can back it up and, and go on with it after a little bit of a break uh, this weekend. So really looking forward to that, getting those feature races back. It's going to be... Um, yeah, it's going to be all happening the next few months, that's for sure, in Sydney. Dollar forty, you can have lots potentially for King's Gambit for the no, multi. On stay Saturday. away, stay away. Dollar forty to the eye, he looks very good, but stay away. Oh, to the eye, oh, that'll do me. Mm. Rightio. <laughs> have you got something for us today, uh, or even tomorrow at Warwick Farm? If you've done the form there yet for Australia Day, Davo? But uh, where are they today, Gosford? Yeah, race six, number seven, Secret Spy at, at Gosford today. I've got no idea if they'll come for this horse or not because. On ratings, it's hard to have him favourite, but look, his trial was outstanding. His run at Musselbrook was good, and I just think he can roll forward, dictate this race from the front with Josh Paul, Josh Parr going aboard, and um, I think he's going to be very hard to, to run down. And in tomorrow at Warwick Farm, race uh, one, number six, Outlawed, I think will run very well. Uh, we get this horse at Canterbury last Friday night, and it was scratched due to not being able to get to the races on time due to some traffic issues. So I think actually 1100 probably suits a, a little bit better than 1250 the other night. Uh, a little bit of sting out of the track won't hurt. They got a bit of rain at Warwick Farm overnight, about a heavy eight at the moment, but that should get back into around the soft six range with the, the warm weather. I think it's supposed to be 35 degrees tomorrow. So yeah, we'll go with her as well in the first tomorrow there at Lord at uh, Warwick Farm. Great stuff, Dave. Have a good day. Chat Friday. Look forward to it, guys. Have a great uh, Australia Day. Cheers, all.